to the Icon Church podcast. Icon Church is one church in five locations. Our vision is human flourishing. We pray that this podcast helps you to flourish in life. For any more information about Icon Church, log on to our website at www.icon.church. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Hey, welcome to part two of our Essentialism series. I want to give a big welcome and a big shout out to everyone that's with us today. I want to shout out to all our campuses, Chesterfield, Derby, Sheffield, Rotherham and Stocksbridge. It's so great to gather together as the church today. I want to turn to our scriptures for this series, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, and just read them. These verses say this, Therefore, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This series called Essentialism is really answering the question, what will we carry into the new future? And last week we began with the idea of say yes to less. Our focus was that this was an opportunity for us to decide what we will carry forward, things that are truly essential. We talked about throwing off some non-essentials and in particular those verses speak to us about throwing off burdens and weights and sins that hinder us so that we can run the race that God has marked out for us. If you missed that message you can go over to our YouTube channel and watch there and I'd encourage you to do that especially if there's some stuff in your life that you want to get rid of and that some stuff that you don't want to carry into the future. And if that's you, I really encourage you, go over to that YouTube channel because I think that message will help you. And so today we're continuing this series. And I want us to remember that we're not talking about priorities. We're talking about essentialism. Because when you've got a priority, there's still lots of other things going on in your life as well. We're not talking about putting first things first because when you have first things, you have second things and you have third things and fourth things too. We're also not just talking about core things, because along with core things, there are also things on the periphery of our life. No, today we're talking about essentialism. Things that if you just had them, they'd actually be enough for you. And not just enough to survive, but enough to thrive as well, because we know that that's what God has for us. I wonder, have you ever taken one of those tests? You know, the... um, Tests where you look at a picture and people ask you, uh, what do you see? Perhaps the most famous uh, of these tests is the one of the young girl, the picture of the young girl and the really old woman. And actually there's lots of them. I remember being asked on a course to take a test called the invisible gorilla test. Has anyone taken that test? And basically this is a test where you watch a video And there's two groups of people, one dressed in white, one dressed in black, and they're passing basketballs. And uh, you are asked to count the number of passes, and that's what you're focused on. And during the exercise, a man in the gorilla suit walks onto the court in between the players, and he actually walks onto the court in between the players and pounds his chest. 
And at the end, they ask you, did you see the gorilla? And most people don't see the gorilla. I've got to tell you, I did that exercise and I didn't spot the man in the gorilla suit. Why don't you, if you've done that exercise, why don't you tell us whether you spotted him or not as well? It's actually called the selection, selective attention test. We become so focused on counting the passes, we actually don't see a fully grown man in a gorilla suit walking in between all the people passing the basketballs. And that's why the title of today's message is Fix Your Focus. I want to talk about joy today because these verses talk about joy and they talk about the fact that it was joy that enabled Jesus to go forward in the midst of great opposition. And I believe that we definitely, don't we, want to carry joy into our future. And the key to carrying joy into our future is to fix our focus. Let me read verse 2 again from you from Hebrews chapter 12. It says this, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, there it is, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I don't know about you, but joy is definitely something I want to carry into my future. I want to get this joy, this joy that Jesus has that helps me, joy that empowers me and strengthens me, I want to carry that. I want to get it and I want to keep it. I think this matters because in the scriptures, joy is a really big deal. The Bible talks about joy a lot. In Romans chapter 14 and verse 17, the apostle Paul writes this. He says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but it's righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You're going to notice in lots of the scriptures around joy, it's always mentioned in the Holy Spirit. In these verses, Paul is writing to Christians who are arguing as to whether you should eat certain foods or drink certain drinks as followers of Jesus, whether you should keep certain religious laws or, or not. They say, some are saying we should do this, others are saying we should do that. Some are saying we should do things, we shouldn't do things. And Paul says, you know what? Those things don't matter. The kingdom of God is not about those things. It's not about eating and drinking. It's not about laws. It's not about doing this or doing that. It's actually righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is so key to knowing the joy that Jesus had. Paul says that the key characteristic of God's kingdom is joy. I like that, don't you? And I'm up for that. How about you? I'm really up for believing and receiving the joy that God has for us. In Galatians 5 and verse 2, Paul is talking about the fruit of the Spirit. There it is again, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And what the Holy Spirit will produce, the fruit of Him working in us and on us. And he says this, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. He goes on to list some more fruits, but these are his top three, love, joy, peace. He says, this is the fruit. This is the result of the Holy Spirit working in your life. You know, this message is being recorded around Pentecost Sunday when we remember the Holy Spirit coming. And the Holy Spirit comes to empower us, but he also comes to produce things within us. And he wants to produce joy. You know, if love is the most powerful force in the universe, I believe joy comes second. Let me say that again. If love is the most powerful force in the universe, 
Joy comes second. And this joy is a result of the work of the Holy Spirit. This joy is a calm delight, a cheerfulness. It's a deep abiding inner rejoicing. It's the joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. This is the joy that God puts, when God puts something on the inside of you and whatever you face, you've still got your attitude. You've still got your swag. You've still got joy. This joy from the Holy Spirit doesn't need external activity to exist. It's not dependent upon your circumstances or situation. This joy can and does stay alive in the vib and vibrant in good times and in bad. You see, we confuse joy with happiness. Happiness is the result of external circumstances. We get happy when something good happens. I know I do. We get a new car maybe, or a new house, maybe a, a promotion on a job we've got, or we get a raise of pay on our job. Maybe we get happy when we get a new dress, ladies, or a new pair of shoes. I noticed last week, actually in the comments, when we were talking about saying yes to less, somebody said in the comments, I'm saying yes to the dress. Happiness for us is often based on external things. And therefore we confuse joy with happiness. We confuse joy with pleasure. Our culture has this confused. Have you ever noticed how you can think there's something wrong with you if you're not happy all the time? Have you noticed that? I think it's something to do with social media, but not exclusively. Have you noticed how you can feel there's something wrong with your faith even if you don't feel good all the time? And I have to say that there are some church signs and slogans that don't help with this. Maybe you've seen this one that will come on the screen. No Jesus, no joy. Can you see it? The play on words there. No Jesus, no joy. No Jesus, no joy. Do you know, it's not helpful. In fact, it's unhelpful because we can enjoy a lot of things without knowing Jesus. We can know a lot of things and enjoy a lot of things without being a Christian. I mean... You don't have to be a Christian to enjoy your holidays, right? You don't have to be a follower of Jesus to enjoy a barbecue. Anybody else ready for a barbecue when you can get your friends and family around? There are thousands of people who are not Christians and they love their Krispy Kreme donuts. I mean, who doesn't? Our taste buds do not have to be saved to enjoy Nando's. Come on, somebody, can I get an amen somewhere? I wonder what would you love? What can you think of that you would love whether you were a Christian or not? You know, put it in the comments, put it in the chat. Keep it clean, all right? Keep it clean. But the point is we confuse joy with pleasure. You know, this verse tell us that Jesus was full of joy. He was joyful. I mean, you may be asking, did Jesus have this joy from the Holy Spirit? I'm so glad you asked. I'm so glad in Stocksbridge there you asked this question. Because so many people think that Jesus was a joyless person. Someone that was out to make life miserable. And religion paints that picture all of the time of Jesus, of church, and, and, and of the things that we're involved in. But I want us to look at this verse today in Hebrews 1 and verse 9. I'm going to read it from the New King James Version. It's a direct quote from Psalm 45, verses 6 and 7. And it says this. It's talking about Jesus. It says, You have loved righteousness 
and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness. You can put joy in there, the oil of gladness, more than your companions. I wonder if you notice that. Jesus has been anointed with the oil of gladness, the oil of joy. And he's actually been anointed with the oil of joy more than anyone else. I think if you've got some view of God or you've got some view of Jesus today as some killjoy, you've got to change that because it's incorrect. It's radically incorrect. Jesus, this verse tells us, has more joy than anyone and he was anointed with it. The word anointed here doesn't mean to dab on the forehead. You know, sometimes when we pray for people, we might anoint them with oil and we would dab some oil on the forehead. But this word anointed actually means to saturate, to pour over, to cover totally with oil. Yes, to saturate a person with this clingy, slippery oil. The Bible is saying that Jesus has got this joy all over him. He's got it just saturated on his whole being. It's clinging to him. He's saturated with joy. No wonder the disciples wanted to be with him. No wonder the crowds loved him. This joy was so clingy and so sticky that if you got close to Jesus, you got it rubbed off on you too. You got some of that joy. You know, when we read the Gospels, we read about Jesus that he's always either on his way to a meal or he's coming from a meal. And um, he's, or, or even at a meal. He was always being invited to parties and sometimes the kind of parties that others thought were the wrong kind. And that's because he was full of joy. He was saturated with joy. I don't know about you, but I want some of that. I want some of that joy to rub off on me, don't you? But it's not just that Jesus was full of this joy. He actually promises this joy to us. Let me read this verse. It's John 15 and verse 11. Again, I'm going to read from the New King James Version. Jesus is speaking and he says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Jesus is saying to the disciples, Hey, I'm teaching you, I'm speaking to you, so that the joy that's on me will get on you, and not just get on you, but get in you, and not just get on you and get in you, but that it will remain on you, and that your joy, therefore, will be full. In the very next chapter, John 16, uh, Jesus says this in verse 22 to the disciples. He says, Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. I love this because Jesus says, to the disciples, you're going through something right now and it's going to be a time of grief because you're not going to see me. He's talking about his death, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and then no one will be able to take that joy away. Some people think this verse is talking about the second coming where Jesus says, I'm going to go away, but I'll, I'll come again. But it's not really talking about that. It's talking about something more imminent, something more immediate. It's talking about the resurrection. Jesus says, this is a time of grief for you because I'm going to die and I'm going away, but you will see me again. He's talking about the resurrection. He's talking about that after three days, the disciples will see him again, raised from the dead. And he's saying at that moment, you're going to be full of joy. And, and this is the promise to you that you will be full of joy and no one will be able to take that, moment, that joy away from you. I wonder, did you get that? 
Did you get that? That Jesus says, when I've been raised from the dead, there's a promise that you can receive joy and no one can take it away from you. And that promise wasn't just for those first disciples. That promise is for us, for each and every one of you. I don't know about you, but I want that joy. I want to be saturated with that joy. Come on, don't get religious on me today. Somebody tell, tell God that you want it. Tell somebody, maybe in your room, that you want it. Put it in the comments today. I want it. I want that joy. I want that joy that's internal and not controlled by what happens. A joy that's not controlled by the circumstances of my life. In fact, I want the joy that Jesus speaks about that cannot be robbed, that cannot be taken away. Jesus had it. The disciples had it too. Jesus had it. He faced opposition all of his life, but it never stole his joy. His opposition sometimes came from religion, sometimes came from his family, came from the Roman Empire, but Jesus was still saturated with joy. Our verses in Hebrews chapter 12 are speaking into this for us today. They are telling us to fix our focus, to fix our eyes on Jesus, yes, and we talked about that last week. But also they tell us that when we fix our focus, that we can have the joy that Jesus has. So here's a couple of things that I just want to mention as we bring this message to a close today. A couple of things about joy. Here's the first. Joy is a focus before it's a feeling. See, joy is more than a feeling. We've already said that. Joy produces a feeling, but joy is a focus. And that's why today we're talking about fixing our focus. Let me read verse 2 from Hebrews 12 again. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Did you see that? Jesus had a focus. It was the joy that was set before him. Joy is a focus before it's a feeling. I don't think Jesus was ever surprised by the opposition he faced. I don't think he was ever surprised by the pain he went through or the threats or the trouble that came his way. Sometimes, personally, I think about the intensity of the pain he suffered, the intensity of the opposition, because everything came at him, and yet he was still saturated with joy. He never lost his joy. I know I've said it a few times, but I want to say it again. Boy, I want some of that. Do you want it yet? Are you getting hungry for it? You see, the religious people came at, at him. And not just one group of religious people. No, he had opposition from every religious group. The Sadducees came after him because they didn't like his view on the resurrection. The scribes, the guys who copied the scriptures every day came for him because they didn't like the way he interpreted the scriptures. And of course, his main opposition was the Pharisees. And they hated the fact that Jesus was full of joy. This is why they hated him, because he wasn't judgmental. He was inclusive. He was happy. He was free. He was liberated. And they just could not cope with grace and forgiveness. You know, it's still the same today. There's some people who say they're saved, but I don't think they are sometimes. Some people who try and look saved, but they're not. They're just into rules. They're just into laws. They're just into opinions. They love to condemn others. They love to shame people. They're not full of the Holy Spirit. They're not saturated with the joy that Jesus had. They've never been born again. And you know, I think we all know some folks like that. And, and maybe that's true of you too today. But our job is to love them. And our job is to pray for them. 
but it's not to get in with that crowd. You see, we need to stay in the cloud. Can you remember that from last week? We need to stay in the cloud, the cloud of witnesses from Hebrews 11.1 1, and not get in that crowd because that crowd will steal your joy in a heartbeat. It wasn't just that the religious people came for Jesus though. The empire of Rome ultimately came for him and crucified him, uh, you know, as, as a, a rebel and an insurgent. His family too, his brothers and sisters, they thought he was mad. They thought he was crazy until they met him after the resurrection. I mean, that would do it for me, wouldn't it do it for you? You know, you see your brother crucified to a cross, you see him dead and buried, and then he shows up for Sunday dinner. You know, he, he knocks on your door and here I am, raised from the dead. I mean, that had convinced me. And then what about the people? They came for Jesus too. See, the crowds loved him until they didn't. The people, when they were given a choice at the crucifixion, at his trial, do you want Jesus or do you want Barabbas? The same people who've loved him and followed him, the same people cried, crucify him. The scriptures tell us to consider him because he still had joy. And it was this joy that was set before him that helped him endure all of those things. You know, in verse 2, we read that it says Jesus could endure the cross because of the joy that was set before him. He tells us that he could despise its shame. And that word despise there means to hold it in contempt. It's clearly talking about the fact that when the Romans crucified somebody, this was a show of their strength, but their goal was to completely humiliate the victim. Because of this, they would inflict excruciating pain in the crucifixion process with beatings and uh, and, and, whip, and whips and on all kinds of um, artifacts that they would use to inflict pain. But it wouldn't just be that they would inflict pain and crucify people, they would actually crucify them naked for public humiliation and ridicule. I know that every picture you see had Jesus with a cloth around his waist, but that's not how it was. He was crucified naked for humiliation. But Jesus was able to hold that humiliation he was able to hold that shame in contempt because the joy that was his focus. Verse 3 tells us, consider him, consider that he had this focus that gave him joy. And you too will be able to endure whatever it is you go through and not grow weary and stay joyful. We need to consider today that his joy was not diminished. And it was not diminished at all because he knew what was coming on the third day. This was the joy that was set before him. He knew that there was joy ahead. If you've been listening to my messages, you know that one of my favorite songs at the moment is a song called I See a Victory from Elevation Worship. And I love the line in the song that says, what the enemy meant for evil, God turns for good. But there's another line in the song and I love it and it's this, I know how this story ends. Does anybody else love that line? What about in Derby? What about in Sheffield, in Chesterfield, Rotherham and Stocksbridge? Anybody there love that line too? You see, here's why. Because you and I can say, whatever you say about me, I know how this story ends. We can say, what, it doesn't matter what you think about me, because I know how this story ends. Whatever you do to me, whatever they do to me, I know how this story ends. 
whoever they are, whatever position they hold, they can't intimidate me because I know how this story ends. Come on, somebody. We know how your story ends. We know how my story ends. That's the joy that's set before us. You can't steal my joy. You're not having it because I know how this story ends. I know right now some of you will be asking, how can you be so confident? And maybe asking for yourself, how could I be so confident and be so bold? And it's a great question. Well, you can be so confident and bold because of Jesus. Remember, he's the pioneer of our faith. And that means he's gone before us, that he's the first in line and it's a long line. And in that line, there's me. And in that line, there's you. It includes us. I know how this story ends. I'm going to see a victory. The battle belongs to the Lord. I feel like we need a praise break right now. I need, feel like we need to raise some hands and, and give God thanks because of the joy set before him. Jesus could endure the cross. I know how this story ends. Joy is a focus before it's a feeling. And then finally, joy is a choice before it's a condition. I believe joy is a decision you make ahead of time. I believe you've got to decide. I believe you've got to choose today. And this is your day. God has given me this message to share with us today. This is your day to choose that nothing is stealing my joy. You've got to decide today that nothing and no one is stealing my joy. If I'm in a conversation and it's stealing my joy, see you later. You see, I love my joy too much and you should love your joy too much. I love, I love you, but I love my joy too much. I love people, but I love my joy too much. I love my joy too much that when I have a thought that tries to rob me and steal my joy from me, I'm saying, that thought's got to go, see you later. See, my joy is too important to nurse and rehearse those things that take it away. I want to encourage you today, make a decision today, make a decision ahead of time so that when things come to steal your joy, you're prepared, your mind is made up. You see, I think too often we go somewhere else in our minds and we say, God, if you would just change these people, if you would just change these circumstances, then I could be happy. We get so zoned in into where we are now instead of focused on where we've decided to go. See, let me say this, where you are now is not where you are going. It's just where you are going through. When the Bible tells us that it was because of the joy set before Jesus, it's telling us what he had chosen to focus on. He'd chosen to focus on not where he was, not what he was going through, but where he was going to. You see, I'm not going to this drama. I'm going through this drama. This drama in my life, it's not my destination. I'm going through it. This trouble in my life, it's not my destination. It's just the place I'm traveling through on the way to what God has for me. Again, Jesus is the example. He endured the cross. Why? Because the cross was not his destination. It was just the place he was traveling through to get to the resurrection. You see, some people say the joy set before Jesus was the salvation of the world. Uh, therefore, some people say it was, it was you and me, the fact that he knew that we would believe and follow him. And I believe that that's true. But I think that, again, there's something more immediate. And he was thinking of something more imminent. He, he, was, he knew something was going to happen. 
something he tried to tell the disciples several times, but they'd not grasped it, and they wouldn't grasp it for some time yet. You see, because Jesus knew the promise of Psalm 16 and verse 10, it says this, For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. That's a psalm speaking about the Messiah that would come. And Jesus knew that promise was for him. You will not leave my soul amongst the dead or let your Holy One see decay. You see, he knew Psalm 16. He knew what it spoke of. He knew he'll be back, I'll be back. He knew God wouldn't abandon him to the grave. And because of that, he chose joy. And he chose joy ahead of time. And that joy helped him endure. See, Jesus chose to believe the promise. He fixed his focus on the promise of God and not on his present circumstances. Don't you think we need to do that today? To, think our, to fix our focus on the promises of God and not on our present circumstances. I quoted a song earlier. Let me quote another one right now. It's all about Jesus. Death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. You silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring. The praise of your glory. For you are raised to life again. Does anyone love that song? You know, Jesus is the pioneer and he's gone before us. And his victory is the promise that we too will be victorious. That we too will follow. Jesus experienced resurrection, and so will we. What you are going through is temporary. Where you are going to is permanent. Let me say that again. What you are going through is temporary. Where you are going to is permanent. We need to fix our focus today. To fix our eyes on Jesus, yes, but to fix our eyes on the promises of God. To fix our eyes on the joy that is in our future. To the promise. You know, that's why we say the best is yet to come because we're resurrection people. We know that we get knocked down, but we get up again. We know and that happens over and over again in our lives because the promises of God are secure. And today we're choosing joy ahead of time. You're not stealing my joy. No one, no thing is stealing my joy. I wonder, is anyone with me today? We're going through something right now because we're going to something greater. And Jesus tells us to fix our focus, to fix our eyes on him, but also to fix our eyes on the something greater that is yet to come. I'm gonna pray for us right now. And this joy comes from the Holy Spirit. And I'm gonna ask the Holy Spirit to give it to each and every one of us. I'm gonna ask the Holy Spirit to give us the focus that will bring the joy that we all want. I want I'm gonna ask the Holy Spirit to saturate us like Jesus, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm gonna ask you to receive that promise right where you are. I don't know where you're watching today. You may be in your living room, your kitchen, your bedroom. You may be watching or listening onto this on podcast. But you know, I'm gonna pray for us right now in this moment, believing the Holy Spirit is gonna move. So come on, let's pray, let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we thank you today that we're able to recognize that Jesus was full of joy that came from you and that that joy gave him the power, the strength, the courage, and the ability to go through all his circumstances because he knew he was going to something greater. And I pray for each and every one of us today. And I pray that you will fill us, Holy Spirit fill us right there in our 
living room, right there in the kitchen, right there in the bedroom, right there wherever we are. Maybe we're in the car listening on podcasts. Just fill us, Holy Spirit, today. And let that fruit bubble up within us. Love, joy, peace. Let it, let it flow from us. And may we have not just happiness, not just pleasure, but may we have a joy that comes from you that passes understanding. That's a joy that's unspeakable, a joy that we can't explain because it comes from the Holy Spirit and it's with us no matter what we go through. I'm believing that for us today. I'm believing that for Icon Church in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Church, I love you. Don't let anyone or anything steal your joy in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this service where we've been talking about joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. And you know that joy, you can only receive that joy from the Holy Spirit if you've got a relationship with Jesus. And so today, if you're saying, I need that, I need that joy, I need that, li- I need that in my life, I want to give you an opportunity like we do in every service to receive Jesus and to start that journey and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus promises when we receive him, he will fill us with his spirit. And so if today you have never made that decision to follow Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity in a few moments. If you've never said yes to giving your life to him and to being filled with him, then I want you, this is your day, I want you to say yes today. You know, this is an opportunity of a lifetime, but it's also an opportunity for people. And you're saying today, Paul, I once walked with God. I once was close to God, but I've drifted. I'm away. I need to come back today. Well, I want in these moments as I pray, I want you to take this opportunity and come back. I'm going to ask you as I pray to do one of two things. First of all, if you're watching on church online, you'll have a button that's there right now that says raise hand. And that's you in your living room, in your kitchen, wherever you're watching. That's you saying, I'm responding today. I'm making that decision for the first time or I'm making that decision to come back. I need that joy today. I need that presence of God in my life. So if that's you, I want you to click that button. Start clicking that button now and saying, yes, I'm coming to Jesus. If you're watching on YouTube, you can, you can be brave and put a, a raised hand emoji in the comments or in the chat and, um, and, and so that we know. But, but also it's so that God knows that you're making that response in your heart today. So come on right now, click that button if you're watching Church Online or put that emoji in YouTube because this is an incredible day where God is going to come to you and meet you as you receive him. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead us in a prayer right now and I'm going to pray for you right now. And if you're saying, Paul, please include me, then press that button and put that hand. Do it right now. I'm just going to wait five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. It's not too late. You can still respond as I pray. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for the joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. And it starts with a relationship with you. And I pray today that people will decide right now to give their lives to you, to surrender their lives to you for the first time. I also pray for people who have drifted away from you that once knew you, but their joy has gone, their life has gone. They're not today filled with your Holy Spirit. I pray this will be a day that they come back to you, that their faith will be refreshed and their faith will be renewed. And so I pray for every person responding today. I thank you for them. And I ask you wherever they are, Lord, that you will meet with them in Jesus' name. And Holy Spirit, that you will fill them too today and you will saturate them 
with the joy that only you can bring. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Icon Church. If you'd like any more information about Icon Church, log on to our website at www.icon.church. Have the best week.